0: You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's nexus of nightmares. Hello! And welcome to another episode of Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. I am your host, Luke. And with me, as always, I have my good buddy, my best friend, my favorite co-host, my only co-host, Andy. That's me. Hi.
1: Mr. Mushnik, at your service.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? How you doing? Doing
1: just fine. Sipping, I know you're excited about this Sipping one. some Mai Tais, excited to talk about uh, what we're going to talk about. I'm all jazzed yeah. up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, today we're going to be talking about, it's going to be our first true uh, horror comedy that we've done on the show, I think. It is, yeah. Um, it's, our, it's our first real
1: genre mashup, I think. I mean... You know, a lot of the other ones we've done have been sub subgenres, I guess, of horror. This is more like a kind of a mashup. Yeah. Very, very. You know, if it was a Venn diagram, they'd be equal parts. I think comedy, and, horror, yeah. and musical.
0: Yeah, musical. Yeah, we didn't mention that. It's so it's a it's not yeah. just horror comedy, comedy horror, whichever you prefer. It's also a musical, which is it is that's a super <laughs> rare combination. Very. Um, I think I mean I can only really think of one other example: Tucker and Dale, the musical picture. Oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's... Tucker and Dale is a great movie, though. Did they make? Did they really make a music out of it? No, but they should. Yeah, I agree. Um, But yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I have never seen actually. Really? Uh, Yeah, I've never seen it. It's it's Um,
1: it's much more just absurd than it is. Yeah, like this. It, Rocky Horror Picture Show is just more absurd than it is comedic or scary. It's just absurd,
0: like almost like a spoof, spoofy kind of. No, or no, just no. It's just weird, just, just outlandish, weird. crazy, very out, very yeah. strange
1: and outlandish and weird. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, that's about the only other movie that I can really think of that would fall in this same kind of like a similar category. I would and agree. Anyway, the a movie. Lot that- but the movie we're talking – we haven't even mentioned the movie we're talking about yet. We haven't. But everybody knows because you clicked it. If you did you click it, it and you're listening, you clicked it. You know what we're talking about. It's and your fault. It, it's your own fault that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself. Uh, and that movie, of course, is Frank Oz's 1986 Little Shop of Horrors.
1: Little Shop of Horrors. Based on the uh, off-Broadway musical by the same name. Based – which is based on the Roger Corman classic nineteen
0: sixties uh yes. film by the same name. This is true. And that movie, I, I feel like that movie is mostly known for the fact that it has a young Jack Nicholson in one of like his first yeah. roles. Yeah. Um and, who, for spawning, in this, who, and for spawning this musical. Right. Naturally. Right. Other um, than that,
1: there's not much to it
0: but um and so the guy that the guy that was is responsible for creating the musical um is Alan Menken mm-hmm. who and um, Howard Ashman he would yeah. go on what was that? and Howard Ashman but yeah Alan Menken and Howard, and Ashman. Howard Ashman yeah Well, did, did Howard Ashman
1: have a hand in the music as well I think Alan Menken did the music and Howard Ashman kind of wrote the story and then Howard okay. Ashman even, also
0: even for the 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 stage play? Yes. The musical? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, Alan Minkin would go on to do a bunch of uh, Disney movies, some of the best Disney movies from, from the Hercules. 90s. Um, Little Mermaid, Be- oh. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Yeah. And, of course, Hercules. Um, Hercules actually has the same kind of three-chorus girl yes. kind of... Uh, uh, whatever you call that, I don't know. Yeah, the chorus element, course, Greek chorus. Yeah, the three the the three chorus girls who kind of you know narrate the story. Yeah, and are kind of like outside of the events of the story. Yeah. Um. But um, which that always that oh, cracks I me th-
1: up. If if you go to IMDb, one of the if you go to IMDb and look at the parents guide, which I like to do sometimes. One of the things about this about the movie is that um, one of the frightening or intense things about this movie. Is- it says it says that uh there are three there are three singers who appear in like the the more frightening scenes who seem who seem completely uh indifferent to the violence that is occurring and that that may be frightening or off-putting to some viewers oh my they're God. just like there that's so and funny. They don't care. like are you serious like uh, sure yeah that's that's that, the that's the bad part
0: that's where your children's minds are going Right. Like, wait a minute but why are why do those people not care at all <laughs>
1: Why is Gina not stopping the giant plant from eating that guy?
0: Gina, Gina Gina from Martin. There's two. Two of them are from Martin. Yep, yeah, which is crazy. It is crazy. Um, yeah, two of the chorus girls later would would uh, be, um, main like main characters on the TV sitcom uh, Martin with Martin Lawrence, Tashina Arnold and Tisha Campbell. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I was reading that um, the film, well, so David Geffen, who produced the musical as well, Mm -hmm. um, he he ended up, you know, producing the film adaptation, and I I think they had kind of started trying to get it made, um, they had tried to get it made a couple times. Yeah. Um, Before this and like Spielberg was attached to be an executive producer at one point. Martin Scorsese was attached. It was like I get to be the director, which is very bizarre to me. It's strange. But then kind of like there was like a lawsuit that was filed by one of the, I think, screenwriters of the original Roger Corman. Yeah. Film. And that I guess that stalled production. And then the other the other person that was attached to direct briefly was John Landis. Mm hmm. Um, interestingly, the guy, the cinematographer that that ended up shooting Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Robert Painter, he he worked with uh, with uh, John Landis on, on several movies. He shot several of his movies, including the classic uh, American Water from London, which we have it. to definitely do. <laughs> um, but um, and then finally, they offered it the. The gig to uh frank oz who had just finished working on muppets take manhattan right. so frank oz if i mean i'm sure most people know who frank oz is but if you don't frank oz is most well known for puppeteering and doing the voices of um various muppet in sesame street characters uh fozzie bear miss piggy yoda Bert. yoda of course did yoda Um, and so he, his first kind of, the first time he directed anything was he co-directed Dark Crystal with Jim Mm -hmm. Henson, Mm -hmm. um, which is pure, pure fantasy, like all puppets. And terrifying. um, And terrifying. And, uh, and then Mm -hmm. he, (laughs) and then he, um, and then his first like solo directing gig was Muppets Take Manhattan. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after that, he did this. And so it's kind of interesting because he started in like all puppets. He started, yeah. he like co directed an all puppet movie. Then he went to Muppets Take Hand, which was like a mix of puppets and humans. And then he went to Little Shop of Horrors, which was like less puppets, more humans. Yeah. And then after this movie, he like never, he like never directed another movie that was like, that had any kind of, you know, puppeteering or fantasy elements really at all um he mostly did comedies and um i think he did i think he did like like a heist movie the score in the was, I don't that know if that was like late 90s or early 2000s like it was like uh robert de niro maybe or something yeah, i don't know i robert think i'm pretty de niro sure he did the score and edward norton that
1: was edward a good norton. movie yeah.
0: i never saw it. i didn't know that was frank but, oz yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It was it, terrifying. Is, it doesn't too. seem doesn't seem like a Frank Oz movie.
1: We should do what? that. When it, it was, was terrifying. terrifying. No. <laughs> no, I'm just going to pretend <laughs> every movie we mention is a horror movie.
0: Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, actually, one of his other films he did later on, um, "What About Bob" is one of my absolute favorite. Oh, that's like, a great comedies movie. of all time. Um, that's classic but, Bill Murray right there. Yeah. Yeah, so he would go on to like, so that was that's Bill Murray, which Bill Murray is in Little Shop of Horrors. And then yeah. he did House Sitter with Steve Martin, which Steve Martin is in this movie. Yeah. Um, what was the, oh, there's two. So yeah, there's a lot of actors. There's a lot of actors in this movie, famous actors, comedians. Um, and uh, what was the pair? There's a pairing that this is the only, it's like two super, Famous comedians, and this is the only movie they were ever in together. Um, shit, who was it? Is it? Oh, uh, I don't know. It might be. It might be Bill Murray and Steve Martin. I was going to say this might is be it the,
1: either Bill Murray I think and Steve Martin the, or Bill Murray and John Candy. No, Bill Murray and John Candy were in Stripes. Yeah, it might yeah, be Bill Murray and Steve
0: Martin. I think it's Bill Murray and Steve Martin. Which,
1: even though they were du- the, I, even though they were the the what you call it brothers on SNL, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, no. The Witch and McCall Brothers. Yeah, Not wasn't the that them? Wild and oh, that was Dan. Uh, was two, that Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, Two, two Wild Damn. and Crazy Guys. Yeah, Two yeah, that Wild was Dan, and Crazy that Guys. was Dan, that was Dan Aykroyd, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Dan Aykroyd and Steve Martin. That Dan. was
1: Dan Aykroyd. Damn it. Two Wild yeah.
0: and Crazy Guys. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: yeah, this might be the only thing they were in together. Which is crazy. Because Rick Moranis and Steve Martin were together in uh, My Blue Heaven.
0: Yeah. Which, if I've you don't know that, about that I movie,
1: speaking of Martin Scorsese, that movie is... That movie is the same movie as Goodfellas. <laughs> it's literally supposed to be the same character, My Blue Heaven, really? and Goodfellas. Is it di- is, this...
0: is it directed by Scorsese? No, but oh, but okay. uh, Goodfellas
1: was, and and yeah, and and Steve Martin's character in in ah. My Blue Heaven is supposed to be the same character as Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas. It's That's like based funny. on his book, but My Blue Heaven is like a crazy wacky comedy.
0: And wacky. Goodfellas is like, you know, not, but yeah, a crazy, wacky comedy. That sounds like something you'd see on like the cover of the VHS tape for like Little quote of from a, crit- from a, from a critic, a crazy, yeah. wacky comedy,
1: crazy, wacky Stop. comedy with the best, with the best plant puppet we've ever seen. <laughs> uh. But yeah, there's a lot of cameos in this movie. Um, I mean the main cast is is obviously – is Rick Moranis as Seymour. Right. Uh, Ellen Green who is actually – she you may not know her for much but she's actually the person who originated the role of Audrey in Broadway. So right. they, they kind of tried to cat, to not cast her and ended up casting her because it just – she just was the best to, to do yeah. it at the time. Um, yeah. I think I, I, mean, I
0: saw that they tried to get like Cyndi Lauper or – Yeah, Cyndi Lauper. Like Madonna at, at, at one yeah. point.
1: Yep. And then you've got uh, Steve Martin, obviously, who's kind of like a souped-up cameo. Like, Oren Scrivello is a bigger part in Oran Scrivello. He's a bigger part in the play than he is in the movie. Um, but he, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty fantastic. And oh, then yeah. uh, he steals.
0: He definitely steals every every scene he's in.
1: Yeah, and they're so they're the main cast. I mean, you've got then Vincent Gardenia as Mr. Mushnik and then. Levi Stubbs of the Four Tops is the voice of, of Audrey, too. Um, and we already mentioned uh, the, the chorus girls. Yeah. And then the cameos are pretty – there's four main cameos. Uh, uh, John Candy. Yep. Bill Murray, who we've already mentioned. Christopher Guest, who hopefully you know who he is. He's, he's a – he's – I feel like Christopher Guest is one of those comedian actors, like creative guys that unless you like are really into his brand of comedy, you probably don't know who he is. Yeah, and he's if you not are like a, into his brand of comedy. He, you definitely know who he is.
0: Yeah, he's not like he's not as much of a household name as no. yeah, some of the other ones. For sure. He was the
1: six fingered man from The Princess Bride. That might be the mo- thing most people know him from. But he's been in he's tons like, of like mockumentaries yeah. and
0: Spinal yeah, and he's a big he's he directed a, like a lot of he's, those, Yeah, know, he's directed a, of a ton
1: movies. of movies. Yeah. Yeah. And he was and yeah, uh yeah. yeah. He, and he's and he's uh married to uh Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: Oh shit, that's right. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, okay. So
1: he so he has he has horror uh uh <laughs> yes. in his in his in there's his family. A, there's
0: a tie there's a tie in there with uh the, yeah, some one of our other recent uh episodes we did.
1: And then the final the final cameo is kind of split. So if you watch the theatrical release, it's Jim Belushi, unfortunately. And then um,
0: <laughs> poor Jim Belushi.
1: Poor Jim Belushi. He's done nothing wrong to anyone. I mean, he's just he just is who he is. But you know. And then <laughs> he's it, done nothing uh,
0: wrong but be himself.
1: He's done nothing wrong but be himself. Um, but then, if you if you happen to have the director's cut, which is pretty widely available now. And we'll talk about the difference. Um, It's his character is played by Paul Dooley, who is a character actor that um, isn't necessarily as much of a cameo as Jim Belushi is. But if you saw him, you know, he's got a pretty recognizable face. Mr. Paul
0: Dooley. Paul Dooley.
1: Mr. Paul Dooley. Mr. Paul Dooley. What are we talking about? What day?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Um, But I did just finish sipping on. uh, Yes, yes. Tell us about your sips. Yeah, yeah. So we we. uh, I think the I think the last episode we did a mai tai. I don't know. It just sounded sounded good, so we did it. They've been sounding good, yeah. And so uh, when you when you mentioned mai tai, because I always (laughs) kind of ask you, hey, what are you drinking tonight? Mai tai. When you mentioned mai tai, mai tai. I was like, I started thinking, oh, maybe I could do something that kind of ties in with the movie and immediately what the thing that came to my mind was mean mean green Mai tie from outer space because there, just a, a mean green Mai tie from outer space <laughs> there's a song in the movie the only original song that wasn't in the play right yep it's the only it was, one that they added really yep uh, that wasn't in the play they took mean away green plenty of songs but
1: this is the only song that yeah. they
0: added yep see so yeah, i mean green mother from outer space was and that was the one that was nominated for an oscar it was lost um,
1: out to Lost out to "Take My Breath Away" from Top Gun. <laughs> Berlin, terrible. <laughs> Just and yeah, and I bad. guess while we're talking about it, it, it was the f- it, it it lost out to that song, and it was the first song sung by a villain to be nominated for an Oscar, hmm. and the first original song with profanity to be nominated yeah. for an Oscar. So I, I I think that's pretty special.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought it's weird because I always thought, you know, I mean, I've, first of all, I've never seen Top Gun, but. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Um, I, consider my, I, I consider myself lucky, but some people you love should. that movie. I don't know. Um, I mean,
1: it's got Val Kilmer in it. But other than that. I
0: mean, that's the only thing it's got going for it.
1: And Goose. it's got. And it's got. To, I, don't
0: I don't even know who's Goose and who's. What's the other one? Gander? Goose. I don't know.
1: Goose. Well, Goose and Ice gander. Man. Iceman.
0: Iceman. Um I think one of them anyways, one of them was
1: named Butt Plug. I don't know.
0: Butt Plug.
1: I don't know about these. Um, I don't know about these Air Force nicknames.
0: Anyway. Butt plug and the other one's name was Bead. Bead! <laughs> Beads. Beed. <laughs> oh, this this episode took um, a turn. Anyway, this well, drink. Uh, we, it's good. It's a good thing that speaking of speaking of butt plugs, butt plugs and anal beans, check out my <laughs> <laughs> check out my mai tai I whipped up for tonight. Um, oh, so me, the mean green mai tai from outer space. Um, so a typical mai tai is two ounces of rum, half ounce of uh, like an orange liqueur, a half ounce of a half ounce to three quarter ounce of like a, uh, like an almond syrup. And then three-quarter ounces of lime juice. So I swapped. What I ended up doing is I wanted it to be green and kind of a little more, like, I don't know, herbal, I guess. Um, So I ended up swapping out the the orange. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I swapped out the orange liqueur for a melon, a bright green, like, melon liqueur. Mm. Midori, which I I had to buy specifically for this drink because I did not have it um it's gotta wait it's gotta
1: be your dory
0: (laughs) and then i added a little bit (laughs) yeah i was a i gave you a i gave you a pity laugh on that one
1: pity pity chuckle yeah i don't know
0: and then i added a bar spoon of green chartreuse which is a intensely herbal bitter liqueur and that's it it's pretty tasty sounds good it's green it's green it's got a spent lime shell
1: that looks like a little plant
0: yeah, I, I use my tentacle glass straw.
1: Nice for the vines. out of
0: there, vines, vines. Gonna bust your balls. Um, so yeah, gonna bust your balls. Tough titty kid.
1: Tough titty kid. <laughs> I like the
0: I like that the the explanation for why uh, the plant appears in the first place is just so like. Ridiculous and yeah. like ran it just like like this like green lightning like there's an ex- yeah. a, a, a total eclipse of the total eclipse <laughs> and then uh, and then all of a sudden like this like green lightning flash and then the plant yeah. just like appears it's like what? appears it's ridiculous um, so should we so it.
1: should we talk speaking of which should we talk plot oh, should god. I give the rundown oh god this is always death <laughs> I love um. I love how we complain <laughs> about it and then we do it every time. I mean I think we should it works. I'm going to do it. Okay. It's going to happen.
0: Be quick. I'm going to I'm going to crack open a beer here. Snap it. Well, yes. <laughs> snap it.
1: Snap it open.
0: And that <laughs> Snap it open. I'm not eating Slim Jim's.
1: So so essentially the plot is that these characters, Seymour, Audrey, Mr. Mushnik uh Dr. Oren Scrivello, They all live in like the shitty part of. Town. They all live downtown. Downtown, downtown where row, the tits are tough. You live <laughs> downtown, where life is rough. See, these are lyrics I'm just making up, but. Um, and so they all live downtown. Life sucks. Tits are Everything tough sucks. And life
0: is rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know, that's kind of. I mean it's kind of it's pretty brilliant. I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't. I don't know. Well, I don't know why they didn't do that. Well,
1: I don't know. Um, so they all live downtown. Things suck. Audrey is dating the d- the dentist, Doctor well, Scriverella. Who?
0: By the way, this is supposed to take place in the '60s.
1: In the '60s. This is the '60s. Yes. And and he basically is he's a sadist. I mean, it's that's the whole his whole shtick is he's a sadist. And so he's he's a dentist because he's a sadist, and he beats her because he's a sadist. And so like they have a he has a they have a terrible relationship with him. And you don't meet the dentist until much later. And then Seymour lives in the shop with his boss, Mr. Mushnick, who kind of like adopted him as a boy and like lets him live in the in the florist shop that Mr. Mushnick owns and he he kind of helps out around the shop and stuff. So things things are shit. And finally. Things are, shit. <laughs> things are things are shit for these people. And and uh and Audrey is basically like, you know, they get to a point, Mr. Mushnick is basically like, I'm gonna close this fucking shop. Don't come in on Monday, because I'm fucking done. And and Audrey's like, you know what? Seymour's got this plant he's been working on. You should show Mr. Mushnick, maybe it'll do something for him. And so he brings it up, he shows him. They put it in the window, and as soon as they put it in the window, Christopher Guest walks in, and he's like, "Hey, tell me about that strange and interesting plant in the window," <laughs> and that just spurns a whole tide of people coming in, and they just they see the plant, they come in, they buy they buy flowers, and and so the the shop starts to boom. Well, the problem is the plant starts to die, and Mister Mushnik is like Seymour, you got to fucking fix the plant because the plant's dying, and Seymour can't figure out what the hell's wrong. And so, finally, he's like, he's singing. song. he sings and, a song, and, sings yeah, a song so about it. He and... can't <laughs> figure out the hell is wrong. So, he sings a fucking song, as people are wont to do in this movie. And he, in the process of which, he cuts his finger. And and the plant starts, like, making a suckling face toward, toward the blood on his finger. So, he kind of puts some drops in the plant's mouth, and the plant eats it up, and then the plant grows. And so, Seymour puts two and two together and realizes, like, oh, the plant needs blood. Well, the dumbass just starts keeps pricking his fingers and letting the plant suck on his fingers like fucking teeth, you know, like that's, that's how he sustains his plant for like 30 minutes of this movie is just letting him suck on his fingers. Um, and so finally the plant gets to a point where it's been sucking on Seymour's fingers so long, it's as big as Seymour. It's like the same size. And one night Seymour gets up to, 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 uh, to fucking, um, you know he's gonna leave. He's gonna go grab some dinner, and the plant keels over. And he's kind of like, you know, I don't. I, I've been. I'm. I'm out. Like I can't give you any more blood right now. And then the plant talks to him, and the plant tells him to feed him. And then there's a whole song about it. You know, there's a whole song <laughs> again. And so at this point, you find out that the plant is like, you know, eats blood for sure, and it wants to eat people, and for sure, and it kind of convinces Seymour. That it's going to like make his life better if Seymour will feed it. And and it convinces Seymour that because the dentist is beating Audrey, that he should just kill the dentist. I mean, the guy's an asshole. Just kill him. <laughs> feed him to me. And we're both happy. And then you can date Audrey. and You're both happy. So Seymour goes to kill him. The dentist ends up killing himself because he's addicted to nitrous oxide and he's sucking on nitrous while he's talking to Seymour and <laughs> gases himself, asphyxiates. And so Seymour just takes his body.
0: Apparatus, the apparatus that he the has appar- strapped to himself is just ridiculous.
1: Wheezing in and out. Her who? Oh, her. Um. And then, uh, so, the, the one of my favorite parts of this movie, so, the dentist dies, Seymour somehow wraps him up in a fucking body bag. Don't ask me how. It's not like a, sh- it's not, it's not a makeshift thing. He's got a fucking body bag on this guy. And he gets off the goddamn elevated train with it. <laughs> Drags him down the steps, brings him to a back alley, cuts him up, feeds him to the plant. When he feeds him to the plant, Mr. Mushnik seeds. He sees him feeding, you know, cutting the guy up doesn't him fe- see him feed into the plant, but he sees him cutting the dentist up. Yeah. And so Seymour finally is getting everything he wants. He's he's happy. Audrey's fi- like come around to like wanting to date him. He's getting all the stuff that he wants. And Mr. Mushnick finally then ambushes him and is like, I saw you kill this guy. So then Seymour kind of accidentally, quote unquote, feeds Mr. Mushnick to the plant. You know, Mr. Mushnick's like, I'm going to bring you to the cops. And, and Seymour kind of like backs him into the plant. The plant eats him. And then the next thing, you know, Seymour's like living large. He's in charge of the shop now. They're making all this money. And uh, finally, he's like, you know what? He's had enough. Like, he knows he's going to have to keep feeding this plant. And he's like, I'm just going to run away. And he convinces Audrey to run away. And right when they're getting ready to, the plant keels over again, asks to be fed. And Seymour's like, you know what? I'll go get you something from the butcher shop. And and the plant's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, And while Seymour's gone, the plant fucking telephones Audrey and is like, hey, come on over here and she's like holy shit the plant talks so she goes over to see and then he eats her and he gets her in his mouth and when he's when it's in when Audrey's in the plant's mouth Seymour comes in pulls her out and this is where the movie diverges so there's yeah. two endings so the theatrical release he gets her out they get outside he's like are you okay she's like yes and then she collapses And then he talks to her for a second and she's like, no, seriously, I'm okay. And she stands back up. (laughs) And then they talk for a minute. Jim Belushi shows up and he's like, we want to take snippings of this plant, put it in every house on the planet. And Seymour's like, no, you need to get the hell out of here because he knows what the plant's all about. And so he chases him off and he's like, Audrey, this this is just going to keep happening. We got to kill this plant. And he goes in and he fights the plant one last time. The plant brings the flower shop down around Both the plant and Rick Seymour and uh, Seymour grabs a live wire, zaps the plant, plant explodes. And then Seymour and Audrey live happily ever after. Now in the original ending, and we'll talk about what happened with this, but in the original ending that was originally shot and originally was going to go out to theaters. When Audrey gets outside, she collapses and then she fucking dies.
0: And this is wounds. how it is in, in the musical too, right?
1: And this is how the musical happens, yes. Yeah. So she gets outside and she fucking dies. And she basically tells Seymour, you know, thank you for doing everything that you could for me. You were the nicest person that I knew. You know, I and basically is like, I'm not surprised that I died this way. Like this is life Ugh, kind of like this is life on Skid Row. You know?
0: You get and eaten just, by like, giant plants. Yeah.
1: And and then she's basically just like, just just feed me to the plant so that I can be with you and just take everything the plant will offer Like just let it, let it be. And so he brings it inside and does what she says. And then once, once the plant kind of eats her, he kind of has second thoughts. And he's like, he's like, you know what? No, I know what your, your whole scheme is. You're going to take over the world. And I, I'm going to stop you And the plant's like, well, no, you're not. And so then it goes into the whole mean green mother from outer space song, which happens in the, in the other version too. and, but the difference is the plant brings the the uh, the building down around him and Seymour gets out, and tries to get up and the plant grabs him with its vines and eats him and then spits out his glasses. And then there's like an epilogue where the plants basically are taking over the world. And it's a long fucking epilogue. It's like 10 minutes of it just really the plants. Is. Yeah, just the plants like walking through cities and blowing shit up. And like it goes, on it was ridiculously long.
0: I mean, it's good. I like it, uh, but it goes on for a really long time. Like, there's probably about tw- there seems to be about like 15 to 20 shots of like a- of of a brick wall exploding and a plane. Yes, coming out there of it. Like- are a lot. <laughs> yes. Um.
1: So I love but, the uh, I love that director's cut ending. It's it's my preferred ending. But yeah, that part is way too long. But the but the whole like I think the fact that Audrey dies and that and that Seymour dies and all that stuff is way more. Makes way more sense in the in the in the story than yeah. than just like the happy ending.
0: Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I you know I, I know a lot of people kind of think like, oh, like there's kind of the whole you look at it as like the whole the whole moral. What's the moral of the story? Kind of right. deal um, that there's no like in the theatrical version. There's kind of like no consequences for there's no consequences. The character Seymour.
1: Seymour's a fucking terrible
0: person. But I see, I don't that's and that's kind of why I wanted to go down this path, because I don't really feel that way. I don't really I don't ever really think Seymour is a terrible person. I I think the thing is I think Because I mean if you look at it like look, times are tough. It's Skid Row, baby. True. That's true. It's Skid Row, baby. And and, it's
1: all tough titties um, out here.
0: Calloused.
1: It's not nothing, but it's nothing
0: but flop heads. <laughs> Just calli- it's nothing but hop naples. heads flopping in the snow and calloused ass titties. <laughs> um, but see, to me, like he always had good intentions. He wanted to. He wanted the plant to survive because he likes taking care of plants, but also because it was helping the business. True. And and because he he liked Audrey. True. Um, but but also like he doesn't actually kill anyone right. he doesn't kill the dentist he doesn't kill steve martin um and uh, because he just gassed like you said he gasses himself Yeah. Car. Yeah. Um and then Mushnik kind he doesn't even kill Mushnik really either like he just kind of yeah. He kind of does I mean he kind of backs him into the plant but I don't know if he does that intentionally. But at the um, same
1: time and at the same time Mushnik is like a complete dick to him. Like Mushnik um, like Mushnik took him in and kind of like let him live with him, but he's he treats him like a complete asshole. He's yeah, he he's does. not kind to him.
0: Right. Um, it's not an so, excuse to
1: kill him, but
0: Right, it's, right. It's, it's a did, gra- like there's a moral gray area in, in And what again like there. I said, he doesn't actually kill him. Like right. he you know, um but uh so like to me like all that all that kind of said, like, I never really think, and then, and like, Audrey hasn't done anything wrong. Like, why does she deserve to die? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Um, right. So like, to me, it's like, uh, I don't know, some people are like, oh, well, you know, there's no consequences for their actions in the theatrical version, blah, blah, blah. But I don't really, I don't really see the either of them, I mean, yeah, they're maybe, they're not perfect, certainly not Seymour. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't really think he does anything to that is to me that overtly makes the audience not like him anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um I mean and, for Oh go ahead
1: I was just gonna say the flip side for me is okay so so Audrey's death is not it's not because she deserves to die or it's because of consequences or anything for her actions, but it's more so it's more so that reinforcement of like there's no escape from skid row you know what i mean it's more so that idea of like she had these kind of dreams and hopes and she's and and kind of for seymour too they had these dreams and hopes and ambitions and 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 hopes that they could get out um but but in reality it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like an analogy to like you know kind of it's it's like it's like about classism in in america it's like yeah For for people that live like this, you know, the hope is really small. Like these people have the hope that they can get out, but in reality, like they're not going to. You're going to die here. And and then for Seymour, it's kind of that too. But but then also, like like the he doesn't he like you said he doesn't necessarily kill anybody. But the plant itself is kind of like his. It's like his greed. You know what I mean? It's like his his he has he has this weird. Like I mean objectively he's got a weird fixation on Audrey. You know, just cuz he's a nice guy. He's got kind of like the nice guy syndrome. Like, well, I'm a nice guy, you know, like he's got this weird fixation for Audrey where like he thinks he kind of like should be with her because he's a nice guy and Orange Scrivello is not. And obviously Orange Scrivello is a complete dickbag and he should not <laughs> be with Audrey, but at the same time that doesn't just mean that Seymour should necessarily be with her. And then at the same time, but then like, there's a
0: point in the movie where they they kind of express their feelings to each other and they realize that they both really, they both like each other. It's not just, yeah, it's not, it's not one side. Yeah. Um,
1: and then, but then also, you know, the fact that, you know, the plant is kind of like his, his greed where it's like, you know, he, he has these ambitions to get out and he, he wants to, you know, kind of, kind of make himself famous and kind of, kind of get out of, out of Skid Row and, and, and all this stuff and, and, the plant is kind of like the means, it's kind of like the that dark side of him, you know, that kind of kind of grows as he's like not being the person that he should be. Right. Um and so I you know, I think the the thing is, I think both endings work really well because and and with for with a hundred percent credit to Rick Moranis, is he plays it he just plays it so perfectly. It's written very well. The character is written very well in terms of he's not he does not killing people, and he's not a complete jerk, yeah. and he's very endearing. And then you've got it played by Rick Moranis, who just like it's hard to hate Rick Moranis. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I think that's the beauty of it is it kind of works both ways. You know, it works it works yeah. as a tragedy, and it works as a yeah. it works as a you know a happy ending. Um, I mean,
0: I'm all, I'm all about tragedy in, in my horror. So like, I love that. But, um, and, but yeah, I agree. Like, I, I, I think both, I I don't, I'm, I don't mind that both versions kind of exist out there for people to see. Like, I feel like both of them work and I totally understand why they, they, so what, so yeah, what happened was they ended up, um, so like we mentioned, The original ending where the plants take over the world, where Seymour and Audrey die and the plants take over the world, that's the way it was in the musical. Right. Um, But when they – so that's what they shot. And I think it was like – God, what was it? It was like – it was something crazy. Like I think – like so this movie was like – one of the mo- it was like the most expensive film that Warner Brothers had ever produced at that yeah. point in 1986. It was, yeah, it was one of, and it was
1: one of, yeah, it was one of it was the most expensive movie made in 1986 or something or like something like something tw- silly. 25
0: 25 million, right? 25 million dollars, yeah. And I think 5 million of that was spent on the the ending, the ending that they ended up uh, scrapping. Scrapping, yeah. And so um and so they, so they ended up doing test screenings and the, yeah. they were terrible. The, the, the audiences like hated they, the ending. They did it and, in one place.
1: They did it one yeah. place and they got like a 13%, which yeah. to release it, you've got to get a 55% like approval from the, yeah. from the test audience. And he, and so and, then they, Frank Oz basically said they loved it. They were, they were cracking up. They were into it. People were loving it. And as soon as. As Seymour died, he said the place went silent. Yeah. And then he and then they got the cards back and it was like just thirteen percent. It was just trash. And, and so they, they moved, did they they did, they it did in another a test screening. Yeah. yeah,
0: they they did another test screening because they were like because they had invested so much in it and they're like what they're you know it was like okay well what do we do now <laughs> like this right. is terrible. So they did it again and it was like in a different place and it was the same kind of the same same result. result. And so they were like well shit we've got to we've got to change this and so they rewrote and reshot the ending that ended up being released theatrically yep and and that you know did much much better yeah um but yeah it's crazy that you know it's just it, that i mean and it's one of those things where like a lot of times like you, you know you hear about like movies that have the whole the whole test screening thing to me is kind of yeah like I get it I get it from a a, a business standpoint you know but it's always kind of like eh, I I don't know I, I it's like if you're if you're signing if you've greenlit a movie and you've made a movie right based on the script you know on a certain script that plays out a certain way and you've got a director and their vision and stuff like that like like who are you to start like. You, like you're going to tweak it and, you know, just keep tweaking it and to just get it to be the like perfect for like the audience. Like that just seems kind of like it's crazy. I don't know, there's something about that that I don't really like. But but I do I do get in this case like why, you know, they were like, you know, Frank Oz was basically like we it wouldn't have been able to be released like they would not have right. been able to release it with like that ending. Right, and so they—it was like they basically had to do it. They had to rewrite and reshoot the ending. Um, and but, he
1: attributes it to the fact that, I mean, the musical was popular. The the musical was popular as hell. I mean, that's yeah. the reason that the movie got made. That's the reason that it's very well known is because the musical was very popular. It went on to be it it, it played for like over two thousand shows. But the the thing that Frank Oz attributed to is when you see the musical, the cast comes back. You know, they die, but you see them at the end during the curtain call. Or right, even during right. the final number, you know, some of the people come back, and and so you 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 don't end you end on a on a down note, but you know there's still that feeling, you know, you kind of end on the positivity right. of like the applause and the the cast coming back out and everything. In a movie, like it's final, like these people are dead and they're gone, and you're never going to see them again. Oh, right, and it's right. just a whole different feeling. So I find that very interesting. You know, you don't think yeah, about that, but
0: that's a good point. Um. <clears throat> I mean, so the one, the, one of the things we haven't really talked about yet that to me is, I mean, there's a lot of things in this movie that I love, and that contribute to you know why it's it, it's such a cl- you know cult classic. Yeah. Um, but to me, the 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 big thing is is just Audrey too. Oh, the plant. The plant. It's um, so fucking good. The plant. The the effects for the plant are just. I mean, I can't even, I, it's hard to even to begin to explain like, I mean, just like that is, I mean, you know, we're, we've been watching movies all of our lives mm-hmm. uh, through, you know, if movies from, you know, every decade you can think of and we we like the whole we like creature effects we like special yep. effects yep. you know make, makeup animatronics blah blah blah, whatever yep. we're big on practical effects and stuff like that we've seen a lot of seen a lot of movies with a lot of great effects over the over the, you know the years and to me the the puppet and the the puppeteering and how they executed audrey 2 in this movie it to me it it's it it's not. It's. I would say it's hands down the best puppeteering, animatronic, practical creature effects that I, that I've ever seen in it's, any movie. At like even even to this day, Thir, yeah. and we're talking about thirty-five years later.
1: Yeah. And Which I we didn't still mention that, that, but it is, is coming up on the thirty-five year anniversary.
0: Yeah. That's right. Next next month, it'll. I think it was Dece- December nineteenth or something. Yeah, December. Um, but yeah,
1: for thirty five years, fucking old. Yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. I don't know. It's, the whole movie has kind of a timeless aesthetic because it is set in the sixties, but it has kind of an eighties feel, and like it's got it's yeah. got a very mixed bag of time. And then to add in this plant and. And see it do the things that it does so effortlessly – seemingly effortlessly. Yeah. Um, the There's only like a handful of things that I could even point to that I'm like – it really doesn't have anything to do with the puppeteering or the puppet per se. But some of the effects that happen like toward the end are a little – feel a little dated. But the puppet itself as it moves and sings, like there's oh – there, you can't touch it. It's, it's, yeah. it's insane.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I'm I'm that's always been something I've really been interested in in, in movies, just like, you know, animatronics, you know, puppets, um, just special effects and stuff like that. Um, and. And so, like, you know, I've got I, I mean, I, I've i seen so much stuff. You, you just have a really you start to get a really good eye for that, right. so when you're watching something like you, you can kind of see, okay, this is, this is what they're doing here, you know, yeah. practically, practically, but like, you know, there's a certain amount, like with animatronics, with puppeteering, a lot of times there's, th- there can be kind of, um, uh, kind of, herky jerky kind of yeah. movement. Sometimes it's not always so smooth. Um, with when you when you're dealing with animatronics and puppets, sometimes um, I mean, look at the, the, the animatronic
1: dinosaurs in Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah, I mean, even to that some
1: extent, they is, they 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 move intentionally, kind of a strange way. But there are yeah. times when they're moving, and you're kind of like, eh.
0: yeah, you know, well, you can tell it's a
1: robot or a and puppet. And
0: one of the one of the reasons, well, and and if you're thinking of like the T Rex. Um, if you're thinking of the T-Rex in particular, I don't know if you are, but like the scene where he breaks through the, he breaks out of his, his his pen essentially in the rain. The whole story behind that was like Stan Winston who did, who did, you know, spearheaded the, um, the special effects for that, the animatronics and stuff like that. He didn't, he was not made aware that the scene was going to be, was going to have rain. Right. And so he didn't build this full, it was a full size T-Rex and he didn't build it to be waterproof. Right. And so like the latex skin, foam latex skin was like soaking in the water, which was affecting like, you know, the mechanics. And so like some of this, some of those shots you do kind of see it it look is kind of, you know, it does kind of have like a herky jerky kind of, you know, look to it. Uh, I mean, it's still great, but like, but yeah, even like,
1: even when, even when the T-Rex, like its head like goes into the sunroof yeah, and it's kind of pushing down, it's almost just, it's almost just like a tipping bird, you know, it's just like, (laughs) it's just like the bird, it feels like the whole body is just kind of like cramming down and then it's like opening and, you know, you know, there's just little things like when you're watching it, it's like, oh, cool. And you're in the moment. Then when your brain plays it back, you're kind of like. Yeah, but yeah. there was this thing. It's just little right. stuff. Like, I just watched, this is not a, this is more animatronic, I guess, than than puppet, or ma- it's more makeup effect, but I just watched Monster Squad on Halloween, and I hadn't watched that movie in a long time, and in my brain, I remember being terrified of the wolfman in that movie. Like, it was, I remember it being like, oh, that's a good wolfman, and, as mm-hmm. I, and then when I watched it, I was like, that's not a great wolfman. Like, his face is kind of, like, it just, It's just very. The Gill Man was pretty good, but the but the Wolf Wolf Man man, has a
0: very static face, right? Yeah, it's just move much.
1: It just I don't know. It's kind of strange. It looks the design is kind of cool. It's more cat like.
0: It is. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it was more cat like. The design was cool, but it was but the the movement of it just you know it it's dated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just dated looking. Yeah. But back to the plant. The plant does not
0: is not dated the the plan is is insane i mean the the i mean honestly i don't think i've seen anything before this came out or after or after this has come out that has the fluidity of, of movement and and just like you know it's and the thing is like this isn't just like a a, a creature who's like opening its mouth and like biting and right. attacking people. It's That's got the, thing. the it's the lips have to to sync up with you know the right. the vocals and you know and, and singing and all kinds of stuff. And it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy how well. I mean, it, it's flawless to me. It's flawless. I mean,
1: yeah, the plant looks like it's fucking singing these songs. I mean, it's – There is a, the
0: when, a wide range of like lip movements and just yeah. like. There's so much like, there's just, yeah, there's, it's, it's so, it's perfect. I mean, Baton. it really is like, it's, it's flawless. Like it, the design of the, of the plant is amazing yes. um, to begin with and the way that it's painted and everything like that is, is awesome. Um, and then, and then you combine that with like this amazing fluid motion that, you know, is probably, I mean, is it, it is the best. I think that has ever been done ever like in the history of film, like the best, like puppeteering. I don't know. It's, it's it's very
1: easy to feel like we're being hyperbolic by saying that it's, that it's that good, but it is that fucking good. It really is. Yeah.
0: It
1: is, it is astounding. I mean, again, to go back, we both went back and watched it this week and to watch it in 2021. And to, and to, and to, and to, and, 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 and with the mindset of like, you're analyzing it. Yeah. And still be like it looks so good. No, you
0: can't. Yeah, you can't. There are really even being even if you were being nitpicky. Right. I, I don't think there's anything there's I don't think there's any flaws.
1: The only thing I can nitpick is it during Mean Green Mother at the very end when he's like shooting his vines through the floor and stuff. And it's far more of like a it's far more of like They're more a,
0: like straight, very straight and like, yeah. like they're it's far like, more it's far less <laughs> of draw, like how the
1: plant and the puppet work and more of just like how they decided to execute the look of that particular yeah. effect.
0: It's very stiff looking and just like yeah. Which I think they probably needed it to be to be to punch through like the right <laughs> floor and stuff. But yeah, I. But yeah. the
1: rest of the time, the vines there were t- There's times that the vines themselves. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck it's doing this. It's just like yeah. Like there are times where it's like moving up and like curling around characters or like. There's one point where it like wraps around the phone and picks it up. Yeah. I'm like, is yeah. that a stop? It's not stop motion. I mean, is it- I, what the fuck I, is I feel that? Like,
0: I feel like yeah, they didn't use any stop motion in this movie. Even even in the the deleted. Uh, director's cut ending there's no like optical effects there's no stop motion Um, I mean the only thing that I think the only thing that was not shot like on film there on set was like the effect for when he gets electrocuted in in the um, in the theatrical version I think that's the only thing but like but yeah it's fun. it's funny because like you're talking about like when he like picks up the phone and shit like that. I mean, they even have him like check like the the oh change the change return like up. you know, and like I almost feel like they they were just being cocky at that point, right. Like Showing how like how fucking good they could it's, how much they could do because they didn't need to do that. It's like so long it was almost and like, so like they were it's almost like they were like testing them. So I was like, yeah, we're gonna show you. All that we can fucking do, you know, this so and I thought that was crazy. Fucking
1: Fozzie Bear is like, we gotta we gotta make sure that he checks the loose change yeah, at right. the end of this.
0: And it's I like, think, Come on, I,
1: Frank, do I we really need to do of, that? Yes, we do.
0: <laughs> I think part of that too is like it does probably stem from like Frank's mind as a yeah, you know, as a puppeteer himself, you know yeah. what I mean? Well um, and
1: the guy the guy who the guys who created Audrey Two were were from the Henson group. Now, this yeah. is not a Jim Henson puppet, but these guys had had familiarity with all that stuff.
0: And so, the other thing that we didn't really talk about was the the reason why this looks so good. Um, because initially, the the crew was having issues with making the mouth and the lips right. move convincingly and look good and everything because it's so well- fucking big. Yeah,
1: well, there's there's four. We should mention, too, there's four versions of the plan. There's the yeah. small version. There's the kind of handheld medium sized version. There's the the Seymour size version that kind of talks and stuff for the first time. And then there's the fucking giant, <laughs> like huge Mean Green Mother version. It's <laughs> like the final the final stage.
0: And so, yeah. So what they ended up, so they they ended up kind of stumbling upon the solution to the problem when they were doing they they filmed test footage, and they realized when that when they rewound the tape or fast forwarded the tape that the mouth and lip movements looked re- super fluid, right? And so they ended up what they ended up doing was they ended up filming they filmed all the the shots of of audrey to singing and talking at between 12 and 16 frames per second versus right. the normal 24 frames per second and then they would speed that up so right. the only problem that that introduced was that in the shots that included rick moranis in most cases it was just rick moranis right um, he had to like pantomime in like slow motion, like right. so he had to like sing and talk in slow motion, like just pantomime it. In, in, in any shot that he was in with with the puppet, and right. so that when they sped it forward, it looked natural. And it's so crazy, like I, I don't can't know tell. how. Yeah, you can't tell. Like you watch that, and it, nothing looks weird or off at all. Nope. I don't know how they fucking did that.
1: I don't know. And then I they. And and then the other thing they did was so that because so they slowed them down so what they did was they they't they don't sing these songs while they're filming they they had already pre-recorded them and so they they had to play them back especially like the plants parts they had to play them back to sync up well if you slow a song down to to, to match the 12 or 16 frames a second then, it's like distorted. It's like, you know, yeah, right. super slow. So they had to like, they slowed the song down, but then they had to pitch shift it and kind of change it so that you could actually understand what was being said. And so then, so so that they had to do that just so that Rick Moranis and Ellen Green would know what the hell was the plant was saying, or they would be completely lost. Crazy. And so and and then they're then they're pantomiming over these like weird spaced out tracks, like trying to keep <laughs> up. It's just, it's absurd that they did that. And then you fucking watch it and you're like, you cannot tell. No. You, can't, yeah. you have no idea that that's what they did. It is, yeah. again, I have watched this so many times knowing this fact and I have never, yeah. I'm sure there are parts, but I've never been able to like be like, oh yeah,
0: that yeah. part's messed up. I mean, we're, you know? we're pretty detail oriented, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so like- You know, the fact that like, you know, we're both watching this and like not picking up. I mean, you know, almost to the point where you're looking for something and you can't find it. (laughs) You can't see it. Yep. Um, And
1: I would say I and this is not a this is not an overestimate. I have seen this movie 50 times. Jesus and i i didn't i went a long way in my life without even knowing that fact and then even longer knowing that fact and never being able to tell that that's what they did while watching the movie so yeah it's i mean insane. this
0: is this was a movie that you i believe you introduced to me yeah um probably probably not long after we met probably <laughs> in, not in because grade. i loved this movie um and uh I I mean, so I vividly remember watching that at like your parents' house when we were, you know, we were pretty young. I mean, we were probably it was probably like fifth, sixth grade. I'm I'm guessing, you know.
1: I mean, this is a Um, movie that I started watching when I was probably seven or eight, and and it was a it was a I think it was probably a TV version. It was probably like an edited version. Yeah. But it was a movie that I watched all the time. I don't know what it was, but I watched it all the time, and I and I probably showed this to at least a dozen people in my life and like, you know, I'd meet somebody and I'd start talking about it. and would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, well, if you don't know, then I got to show you <laughs> and I would make them watch it. Cause I fucking loved this movie.
0: Yeah. It is I still great. do. It is great. And it's one that like, you know, um, you know, we, when we first started kind of talking about, Oh, let's, you know, let's kind of switch gears and from our other podcast and do a horror movie podcast. Yeah. Um, you know there were certain movies that are on the you know that are top favorites of mine horror horror movie wise that I was like oh yeah I can't wait to do an episode on that I can't wait to do an episode on that blah 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 and it's interesting because like a movie like this something I never would have thought of like us right. doing on this on, on a horror movie podcast I mean it is a horror movie like don't oh, get me is. wrong like you know what I mean but People like get I just think <laughs> that's I think gruesomely. that's what's the, so cool about you know the horror genre is that there are there are so many subgenres and um, and just weird little movies like this that like kind yeah. of that still fall into that kind of horror category um, and so that's you know I, I hope that you know the show lasts a while and that we can continue to kind of like you know do more obscure kind of uh, yeah films like this.
1: Some of the but, ones that are uh, a little more ancillary to horror. Yeah, not straight right. horror, not not traditional horror yeah. that you think of. but
0: Right, exactly. But
1: yeah, like you said, it's definitely horror. I mean, it's, you know, there's murder, dismemberment. You know, the plant is pretty fucking evil in general.
0: Um, <laughs> He's so great. I mean, just... And, there's some, and pre- that's a, there's some creepy spots. And not to mention just, like, you know, how great he looks and yeah. just the, the, the puppeteering and all that stuff. But But also, like... Levi Stubbs is, is oh so my fucking, God. he's so good, you know, like just like. And the
1: plant doesn't talk until 40 minutes in and he's, yeah. but yeah, Levi Stubbs, as soon as he speaks, you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, Levi Stubbs, if you've never seen this movie and you've listened, if you've made it an hour in and you've never seen this fucking movie, the best way to describe <laughs> Levi Stubbs, the best way to describe Levi Stubbs' performance as the plant is like a mix between Bobcat, Goldthwait. <laughs> Pee-wee Herman, and like Little Richard. It's like those three <laughs> people Richard. combined.
0: Yeah. I can definitely say Little Richard, for sure.
1: But yeah, um, the singing, his singing voice is crazy. And he's got this crazy cackly laugh, and he's got this creepy way of talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need me some water in the waste way. white Wo- Oh, Jesus. Waste. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it's good.
0: So oh and so speaking of the the visual effect you know the the yes the, yes uh, Audrey 2 and whatnot um so the the other thing that the film got nominated for uh was best visual effects which um of course which which it was up against and lost to Stan Winston again talking about Stan Winston
1: that son of a bitch.
0: Stan Winston's work on aliens, James Cameron's aliens. Um, Yeah, which I mean, if you're gonna lose to something,
1: aliens would be the thing.
0: The Queen, the Queen in Aliens is pretty great, it is Um, pretty amazing. I mean, that's that's another massive, I mean, I think that's big, that's bigger than uh, that's fucking bigger than Audrey, too. But yeah. to me, yeah, like the whole
1: fight at the end with the loader and everything, yeah, it's But to me the the
0: To me Audrey 2 trumps the Queen. Because yeah. I mean like just the like I said, just the the fluidity. I mean it's something that you've just you've never you never saw before this and you haven't seen right. since. It just right. that it, it's just perfection. And so like is as, as cool as the design for the queen is and everything, it looks good and everything. I think I still think the queen still has kind of those similar kind of herky jerk kind of slight yeah. herky jerky movements. It's not like super absolute fluid, you know. Like, I mean, I I, I would wa- I I would like to show this move, uh, you know, uh, you know, Audrey two the scenes with Audrey two to like someone in their like early teens right now and just like i I, or you know i just wonder what people would think of it like it it almost it almost looks so good and so smooth that it would have to be cgi you know right like but it looks better than cgi would look like you know if they were to do this nowadays and they and they almost did they uh, apparently like recently like they there was a remake that was supposed to be made which is just ridiculous because like right there's nothing to improve upon with this movie but like i don't think so um but i mean if they were to do it nowadays they would absolutely do fucking cgi and it yeah. wouldn't there's no way there's no way it could ever look as good as it does in the night. No. and i don't mean and i don't say that from a nostalgic point of view like you just lit you it's cannot can't. Yeah, yeah it's not like oh like i just like this better because you know i have an attachment to it like no like it's you can't beat it. You cannot improve upon it. Like it looks yeah. that, because if you were to do CGI, I mean, like, I don't know, there's just something about, like, the, the practicality of it, and, like, it's there on the set, being lit right. by the same lights as the as the actors. It's it's in that space, and, like, sometimes you, you just can't replicate that. In. And, yeah. and, and so, like, this has, like, the fluidity. Like, when you talk about CGI versus, like, animatronics, puppeteering, blah, blah, blah. You know, one of the, one of the things about CGI that's a big pro is it, ha- it can perform those f- very fluid movements that you might not be able right. to get with, you know, you know, mechanical components and, and, and puppeteering and stuff like that. And, um, but to me, like this, this has that is this has that right. absolute flu fluidity that you would some that you would see in CGI, but it's, but it's practical.
1: Well, the other thing is, I think with CGI, there's a tendency, and this this is honestly one of the things that frustrates me, and this is one of the things we haven't talked about with the movie yet. Um, I think with CGI, there's a tendency because you can do anything with it.
0: Yeah, you go over. There's a
1: tendency to go to the outlandish, yeah. you know, and 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 then it's like well we could we could we could have this shot now because we've got right. CGI we could have yeah. this shot where it's like this crazy shot that you would never be able to do like practically and it's like well we don't need that yeah. you know what i mean like that it almost is again almost too much it takes you yeah. too far out of like the realism whereas with this it's like they had to frame the shots As though it were two actors on a soundstage because it was a puppet and a person and they had to frame it that way. And because of that, I feel like some of the shots work better than they would potentially if they had a crazy CGI plant roaming around where they were doing like, oh, we could do this. And they do some crazy overboard thing instead of just letting the shot be the shot, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. And to me, like this, this never, nothing in this movie ever feels restrained like it never feels like oh like that they have any constraints you know like that they right. couldn't do certain things like every like like i mentioned like with it like him checking the fucking coin return i mean like just like right. an added little thing like that that they totally didn't need to do but they did it um right. but i mean to me like it doesn't it never feels like there are any limitations but but you're right like if they were to do it nowadays they would find some way to make it crazier to have him do something crazier yeah. than you know but it's not needed. they would have a yeah. shot they'd have a shot of the whole building with
1: the plant like erupting out the top and like you know like doing something crazy and yeah you know obviously and the directors kind of knew you talked about the brick walls exploding and things like that some <laughs> of that stuff wasn't great um and there was a lot of it and that was all practical but
0: but i think even that stuff doesn't i think considering the scope of that you know that they were they were shooting like tabletop kind of models basically it was like i said it wasn't it wasn't stop motion but they were they were doing a lot of like tabletop kind of like model work um and i think i mean honestly like considering the the scope that they went with how big of a scope that they went with the with that director's cut ending i still don't think any of that looks like i think the only shot that looks a little bit like They, you know, kind of like, it's not green screen or blue screen, but the, the shot where he's, uh, where one of the the plant is on top of the Statue of Liberty and like one of the very last shots of, of the director's got, that's one of the only shots where it kind of looks like it's, uh, like there's some kind of matte painting and something, I don't know, something something looks a little, there's like some edge, you can see kind of some edges and stuff or on the, I don't know. And there, cause there's like helicopter flying. Yeah. In the sky above, yeah.
1: Look like toys, toy helicopter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But even even that shot is like is is not bad at all. Like, you know. Um but 60 puppeteers.
1: Sixty?
0: Yeah. The and and when they when they were doing the um the largest stage of of Audrey II's growth, there were sixty puppeteers. Working, it's crazy. working him. Like, think about all the you know vines. Think and, about all you know. those offers. <laughs> uh, yeah, we haven't even really talked about like the songs. I mean, the songs are so
1: yeah. We should again, talk about know. the music. The
0: music is great.
1: I mean, we should just go in order of the songs. I know we love. So the first one that we love is Skid Row. Skid Row is great. So good. I don't know if it's Skid Row Downtown or Downtown Skid Row. One of them is parenthetical. But I think it's anyway.
0: I think it's Skid Row in parentheses downtown, um, but yeah, that's that song's
1: song. fucking fantastic.
0: It's so good. Um,
1: one of the things I love about that song, and one of the things we haven't really mentioned outside of the plant with this movie, is there's a lot of there's a lot of quote unquote movie magic in this movie. Just like weird little nuanced things that that Frank Oz does to kind of like you know kind of like throw the audience and make it interesting and like kind of like oh um one of the things in the song whoa um (laughs) one of the one of the things in the song the intro song before skid row the little chapa theme that they sing before this it's raining during that song and he actually found a way to uh keep the three singers ronette crystal and chiffon who were the three the three singers named after 1950s uh Motown groups, um, he found a way to keep them dry from the rain. So everybody else is getting rained on and they they stay dry the whole time. Um, so there's that. And then when you get to Skid Row downtown, one of my favorite very subtle things that happens in this movie, uh, and it happens in this part. So the three singers play, they call them, their, their credit is urchins. Um, they play like street urchins, like teenage girls as well as these like Motown type, uh, kind of dressed up, fancy singers, and so the scene starts. They're in their they're dressed up as urchins and they're yelling, they're kind of arguing with Mister Mushnick, and they walk off screen. And they as they walk off screen, the camera pans to an alleyway, and this woman comes walking down the alleyway singing the beginning of Skid Row. And as she walks down the alleyway, the camera pulls out, and you see the three the singers or at least one of them dressed up in like their motown getup like leaning against the wall so it's all i don't know how they cut it but it was, looks like all one shot yeah. and it goes from them walking off screen dressed up in their rags to like all of a sudden being in their like yeah, fancy clothes that. it's yeah. it's pretty cool and so then that song is just amazing and i think the best part of that song is the extras so they've got just yeah. this cast yeah. of insane Like these people look like they belong on Skid Row. (laughs) Like they look legit like destitute people from the 60s, as I imagine them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. By Subway. (laughs) By Subway. Downtown. (laughs) Um where the food is slop. Um yeah, there's like just a lot of like great little uh like voc- vocals, uh, just fun vocalizations there in that in that yeah. song. It just like it's it's very it's it, it very well shot too. Like so uh, the whole movie yeah. is shot on a on a sound stage. <laughs> like yes. there's no location shooting. It was all It was all on on a a soundstage. And they don't try and hide it either. No. They don't try They they actually, they intentionally did that. They wanted it to have that kind of feel. Um, Yeah. But. uh,
1: And apparently it was fucking cold on the soundstage. And you could actually see the singer's breath. Yeah, I see. And and if you watch during downtown is the most places where you can see it. Some people you can see their breath. Really? And actually, actually Rick Moranis and Ellen Green, they would make them suck on ice cubes to cool their <laughs> mouths down so they wouldn't breathe out That's crazy. Uh, uh frost because the soundstage yeah. was so fucking cold.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, didn't they didn't shot they... it
1: all on a soundstage.
0: Yeah. And 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 interesting going back to Aliens 2, the weird connection or Aliens 2. Uh, Aliens, Aliens which is, which is otherwise known as alien Two, Um, but yeah, so, you know, talking about, you know, how they were kind of competing against each other in the Oscars for visual effects, you know, the following year, um, they also shared this, uh, a soundstage with them. Um, and, and so, uh, one of the, one of the interesting stories I read was that, so in, in aliens, um, Michael Bean, Bean is that? How do you say his name? Michael Bean. Michael, I call him Michael Bane. Bane, Bane, um, Bane. Who is also in you know James Cameron's Terminator? Um, yeah As Kyle Reese, and uh, so he so he has a role as as like a army grunt kind of named Hicks, and originally apparently he was supposed to be played by character actor James Remar. And they actually had shot some stuff with James Remar, and um, he ended up—I don't know—he ended up getting arrested for drug possession at, at some point, and he was replaced by Michael Bain, B.N. Whatever. Um, but while he was on set, he um, apparently he like discharged a a prop gun that had live ammunition in it, and it like it like blew a hole through like into like the, the, uh, the little shop of horrors, like soundstage. And luckily, Jesus, nobody was like, nobody was hurt, but yeah, it's, it, it's kind of interesting. Like the, we keep kind of coming back to aliens. The, yeah. The, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on with like, they, they seem to, they, they have a lot of ties with, with those two movies, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. They gotta knock that live ammo shit off. That's for sure.
0: Oh Jesus, I know. It's terrible.
1: If they if they couldn't figure it out in 1986, and they're still doing it to this day. Yeah, but it's awful. Um. So yeah, that so Skid Row downtown. That's a great song. Oh, so I mean, again, mostly my favorite part of that song. I told you this, but at one point, I have two favorite parts. The choreography is great. I love the the extras. Just kind of like stomping to the beat around and like yeah. and and looking at the camera sometimes and like they're all just so colorful and crazy and weird and um and then my my favorite part is when uh is uh Rick Moranis turns down an alley and he's kind of like singing to himself and he gets to the end of this chain link fence and all of a sudden these hands just reach up and start climbing the fence and it's like this group of just like these complete degenerates like singing back at him and he's like, it's like terrified a and movie. kind of turn. <laughs> yeah. It's creepy. And he kind of turns and walks away. And I, I love that because the movie's called little shop of horrors. And up until really up until that point, it's kind of been like, Oh, you know, it's kind of bleak and depressing, but it's not been all that weird or anything. And like those people show up and you're like, Oh, you know, <laughs> just lurking around the corner is kind of like this fucked up element of like, people that you know they're kind of like oh that's why they want to get out of here like this place is kind of right disturbing you know yeah, it's not th- just the bombs in the street it's like these terrifying people that live around here and you know
0: yeah I mean that song does a great job of kind of like setting up the whole yeah. story and setting up the yeah. predicament that you yeah. know the the two characters that you really come to care about the most Audrey and, and Seymour like that's that's the situation that they're in and and so yeah it's a it's kind of a perfect it's a perfect way of setting setting that up of like this is where they live and and they want to get and they want to get out and you understand why they want to get out. you understand um, why yeah. yeah yeah it does so. a great
1: job of, of getting you to understand why they want to get out right in and, and just a matter of moments right the other thing I, I wanted to say and this goes back to how long the director's cut the plants destroying the world is. <laughs> Most Frank of the H- Frank
0: Oz hated brick walls.
1: He hated them. Um, <laughs> but most of the most of the scenes in this movie are short as hell. Yep. Like outside of the songs themselves, the actual scenes where two people are like talking to each other are moments. They're like a handful of lines, and then it's on to the next thing. Yep. So it's a very fast paced. Like go like kind of going off what you said where it's like this is where you kind of learn about them and what the predicament is and why they want to get out. Like all within like three minutes and it's all in the case of a song and then it moves on to the next thing. And it's just like a, yeah. a brief like three-minute scene where you meet the plant for the first time and then it's like another song. It just moves and moves and moves and moves and moves. Yeah. Um. So which really makes that kind of end part where they're destroying the, the world seem to, to last a long time because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the longest – Piece, yeah, um, yeah. So as far as songs go, I don't know what's you know, I don't know if you want to, if dentist would be the next one to talk about, yeah, I mean, or, de- feed Dennis, me or what.
0: Dennis is great. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's it you know, uh, so that whole character played by Steve Martin is kind of like, I mean, he's so good, <laughs> and he's he's not he's playing a character that he really never plays, he no. that he hadn't played before then. And hasn't really played much of since, where he's kind of like the villain. He's kind of, you know, the bad guy. Yeah. And he is a... He, has, he, is he a, really doesn't...
1: He's funny, but he doesn't really have any redeeming qualities.
0: No, he's a total... He's a total dick. And it's... And, you know, it's like, you know, he's physically abusive, which is... You right. Know, fuck, which is, like, fucked fuck up. So, it's like... It's kind I of hate, like the lowest of the low, yeah. I hate to say... I hate to say that, like, I love his character, and he's so funny, because he's also just that right. awful you know, piece of shit, you know, <laughs> but like, well, he, but he one of his he,
1: funniest parts, one of his funniest parts too, is when he's being abusive. It's very weird.
0: Yeah. It's kind it's of a, str- wh- when it they is come- kind of a strange thing. Cause you're like, ah, it's almost yeah. like, am I supposed, should I laugh at this? Like, cause it, yeah, it's like kind when- of like, it's kind of a touchy subject, but like,
1: Cause there's one part where he shows up with he shows up driving his motorcycle and he he gets off and he's like stupid woman Christ what a freaking scatterbrain and you're like who is he talking to and Audrey's running down the sidewalk and he's like falls off the motorcycle so apparently she fell off the motorcycle <laughs> and then he's like musses my hair so apparently she must must his hair while he did it and then he like makes her open he makes her go into her to her apartment and he's like open the door you little slut and then. He says, "Grab the Vitalis, which is hair tonic, <laughs> to fix his hair." And she's like, "And she's like, we're all out." And then he hits her, and he it's uses. like, it's very fucked up, like yeah. domestic abuse. I, I'm laughing. Domestic abuse right, is not I know. a joke I
0: mean, it's that's all. Why it's kind of like a,
1: but it's the, kind of the like- situation of it is so ridiculous, right? And the things that he's upset about are so ridiculous and the fact that she was on his motorcycle and fell off so yeah when he's we, he's a hor- he's a horrible person but yet it's funny and it's not funny and he I gets think, eaten
0: i think one of the most ridiculous parts in the movie and and i'm even including any of the scenes with the giant talking plant is when like <laughs> like rick Moranis' character is like in the alleyway like behind behind the shop and he kind of like hears like <laughs> he like hears like a faint no, like noise, and then all of a sudden like fucking Steve Martin comes just like fly like flying like <laughs> out of the sky out of the it's fucking super sky, super loud on yeah. his motorcycle, and just like fucking lands to it and like comes to a dead stop like <laughs> yeah, it doesn't roll at all, it's just dead. And he comes stop like from a, like a, a, a ridiculous height. I don't even know it's like where forty five degree from. angle. <laughs> <laughs> And he just fucking lands (laughs) with a, and and I don't know why that fucking part just cracks Uh, me up because it's just it's so ridiculous, and it kind of is like it's even there are a lot of other you know silly elements to the with you know within the movie but like that to me that that scene is like kind of almost beyond and outside of like the other ridiculous things it's just almost it's absurd. Yeah. absolutely like almost like spoof kind of parody kind of yeah. territory.
1: And so so when you are when you're introduced to to Steve Martin's character for the first time, you you've you've seen Audrey now with a black eye at one right, point. Right, you
0: already know. You've
1: seen her with her arm in a sling at one point. And and Mr. Mushnik is continually saying like the guy is no good. Like you got to get rid of this guy. Like he knows from the very first one of the very first scenes he's telling her this. And um And, and at one point he's like, right before Steve Martin's intro. So his song is the first time you hear anything from him. And uh, right before that, one of my favorite parts is like, Mr. Mushnick is like yelling at her about the fact he's got to get rid of him because he's no good. And she's like, but he's a professional. And he's, (laughs) and Mr. Mushnick's like, what kind of professional Drives a motorcycle and wears a black leather jacket. And it just immediately comes to <laughs> <laughs> it's just Steve Martin's song. And he's driving the motorcycle wearing a black leather jacket. Oh, I love it oh, wow. so much. And then he's like, in the first line is, when I was younger, just a bad little kid, my mom would notice funny things I did. Like shooting puppies with a BB gun. I'd poison guppies. And when I was done, I'd find a pussycat and bashed its head.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's when my mama said. <laughs> oh my she said God. my boy
1: i think someday you'll find a way to make your natural tendencies pay you'll be a dentist you have a talent for causing things pain and then he's just and then that song oh is God. just ridiculous so in the course of that song he punches his nurse in the face he twists <laughs> the head off a little girl's doll he goes into a room – he goes into a room with a kid that looks like Anthony Michael Hall and basically just grabs a pair of pliers and just starts twisting. I, I think he's supposed to be tightening the kid's braces, but he just like sticks the pliers in the kid's mouth and just starts twisting and then leaves it, like leaves the pliers <laughs> in there and just walks out the door. God. And then the next guy, he, he uh, he's just starts drilling, which that's a great shot too. We didn't talk about that, but that's another oh, puppet. Yeah. The inside of the mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: right. So he's like they're singing a song, but it's like the inside of this guy's mouth. And you, Rick, Moore, uh, Steve Martin's got like this weird drill that's clearly like a uh, forced perspective like forced type perspective, thing, where it's like yeah. huge at the end and like, yeah, yeah. and he's going into this giant puppet mouth, and the mouth is singing along with the song. It's great. And so he's just blindly drilling in this guy's mouth. And then he goes into another room and there's a guy clinging to the ceiling like a fucking cat. Yeah. And he just he ends up just pointing at him and then pointing at the chair and the guy just <laughs>
0: drops from the fucking ceiling. He
1: just drops uh, into the chair. Oh, it kills me.
0: Yeah, that's probably one of the other like ov- overly like over the top ridiculous moments, but the guy's just clinging to the scene, He's ceiling just like, no, like No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man. Yeah, it is so good though. And steve martin
1: so that's the dentist song
0: and then later bill murray comes in
1: then later bill murray comes in
0: and he like and bill murray's character loves pain and like- he's a masochist yes <laughs> yeah. he loves he wants
1: to be, have pain inflicted, and all of his lines are ad-libbed he yeah. he basically made up his entire dialogue it's crazy and he's talking he's just going on and on about how he went to this other dentist this old lady who's bl- <laughs> who's blind and he's like, uh, if you tell her where the where the problem is, she'll she she eventually works her way back to it. I heard that <laughs> oh, the, the
0: editor had a, had like difficulty like editing that scene together because because Bill Murray did so much ad libbing that oh, he yeah. was like that he had the editor had trouble kind of like making like you know ha- having that scene kind of make any sense because <laughs> he just was like ad libbing one one line of dialogue after the other. It's
1: ridiculous. And so yeah and so then yeah and and Steve Martin gets all pissed off about that cuz he doesn't want right the people to enjoy the pain that he inflicts right. so he kicks Bill Murray out get out and <laughs> get out Am I going to get my candy bar? And that's the other thing. Bill Murray just keeps screaming about candy bar. He's How, it's, how ridiculous it is that you get a candy bar when you're done. And at one point, you can hear him from the other room being worked on. And Bill Murray's just screaming candy bar, candy bar, <laughs> candy bar, candy bar. <laughs> 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 oh my God. And so he kicks him out and then he goes up to and, – And this is when Seymour is like waiting to kill the dentist. So his plan is he's going to kill him and feed him to the plant. And uh, and I love when Steve Martin comes out and he's got just like this ridiculous pair of pliers and he's like, what do you think about this? Does this thing scare you? And Rick Moranis <laughs> is like, yeah. And he's like, how about if I took it and I made for your goddamn incisors? Would you be scared? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, get your ass in the chair. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, so on that topic of like the the ridiculous tools um, yes. that he has in that movie, apparently so this is a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah. And Batman, which would Batman. come out three years yes, later. Yes. Which would yes. come out three years later in nineteen eighty nine. The tools that that Steve Martin's dentist character uses were reused for yep. the the plastic surgery scene in Batman when yep. Joker is getting his like face done after he like fell into the vat of acid.
1: Yeah. Which when is they crazy. Turned, when they turn Jack Nicholson into the giant plant.
0: You see the tools I have to work with here. <laughs> you see the tools I have to work with here. <laughs> that's, I, I didn't realize that. That was one of the kind of interesting little facts that, that I kind of stumbled across. That
1: giant curved one that's all serrated is yeah. the one that always that's gives the, it away. That's, that's, the the one. One that, that's the one that like he pulls it out, and that's the one your eye goes to. And Bill Murray sees it, and he's just like <laughs> – <laughs> He hits his head on the, the light because uh, he's yeah. all worked up.
0: Oh, my God. And, of course, in the Batman movie, they're all, like, rusted and shit. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's great.
1: So the song, we kind of skipped over, uh, but between the time that Bill Murray shows up and we are introduced to the dentist, in between there um, is Feed Me.
0: Feed me. See parentheses.
1: Mom. Get it.
0: Get it. So that's
1: 40 minutes into the movie, and that's the first time you hear the plant talk, which is – you know, looking back on it, it's pretty interesting. You know, it yeah. seems like the plant is like a huge feature of this movie. And it is, but that's really the first time it talks. Yeah. And so it kind of, you know, it, it talks to Seymour and tells it what it's all about. And then basically it like convinces it, like, I'll give you whatever you want if you just keep feeding me. And shows him, you know, Seymour's now interacted with the dentist at one point, And now he witnesses that whole scene I described where – You know, the dentist is like, stupid woman crossed, what a freaking scatterbrain. (laughs) And that's what galvanizes Seymour to be like, oh, yeah, that guy could die, you know? Right, right. I love, I just love when there's a part of that song where, uh, uh, where Seymour says something like, I don't know anybody that deserves to be chopped up and fed to a hungry plant. And Audrey too, is like, sure you do. (laughs) And he just kind of turns him to the window and they see all that take place. But again, that's, you know, we've already talked at length about the plant. And that's that song is a, just a showcase for the first time the plant really moves and talks. and
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, up until that point, like, I think, I mean, honestly, I mean, going, you go way back to the first, when when it's just like a little plant in that little can, and it first yeah. starts, like, doing the, like, sucking motion when it yeah. sees the blood on, on Seymour's finger, like, even that, like, God, it's just like the just the little the, the little uh, you know intricate kind of movements in in yeah. in the mouth of the plant when it's like doing the sucking sound like it's just the, the little details and it's just like it's so it's so amazing yeah um and then the then when you see him like when he goes in in the in the scene where he goes and he's like on the radio show with uh, John Kennedy's yeah. character and he's like in the waiting room to to go into the to the booth for the you know the recording booth for the radio there's <laughs> there's like this lady that's bent over and she has like her butt right in uh right in the Audrey 2's face and Aud- at this point Audrey 2 is only like the size of like
1: <laughs> like Football. a small a
0: small dog or something you know yeah. right? like and and just man some of that stuff too is like some of the, the puppeteering and Puppeteer work on that is is so amazing. Like yeah, like I, I kind of like. I mean, what's crazy is like that is like a, that's the size he is there, is like. That's like something that it would be kind of more n- like a normal size for something right. you would see a, a special effect done, and and it looks and it looks amazing. But the fact that they carried that through. With the hum- with the fucking humongous version by the end of the movie like and yeah. it it looked the movements look just as good on this smaller version as they do on this on the gigantic version by the end of the movie right. like there's no like it's a very f- seamless kind of like transition to that like you, there, you don't see yeah. like oh oh yeah he was easier to puppeteer this smaller version but when it came to the bigger one, like you could tell it's not the same or whatever like no it's the fucking same like the right. the the fluidity and stuff of the movements are it, it, is uh, is the same across the board on all stages of the plant which is crazy to me yeah it's crazy um but yeah one of my favorite I, songs outside of uh, skid row is supper time oh yeah I love, that might I love, be my favorite one of my favorite i think that's too. i think that's probably my favorite like that's i mean yeah I mean, it's a turning point in the movie, but it also is. just like, it's, it just has a kind of a, I don't know, it's like a different, different sound to it. Yes. Um, and it's darker for sure. He's got your number now. Like, it's, yeah, and then like the chorus girls yeah. kind of come Under in. my own roof, an axe murderer. <laughs> and then the chorus girls kind of come in and.
1: That, that is one of the most impressive to me, one of the most interesting and impressive uh, pieces of like staging that happens throughout the whole movie yeah. is the chorus girls. They start out kind of coming from the the alleyway because they're, they're not kind of usually like in involved shadow.
0: directly in in the actions of the scenes. Kind of sometimes, especially with the plant. But that scene, they they come That's, right in on the, that. And they're right in there.
1: Yeah. So they yeah they start out like in the alleyway. And then they kind of make their way into the shop, but you only, but but it only cuts to like their hands, or like their feet, and they they're always lit, like kind of cool and interesting. And at one point, they're like behind uh, the glass, and you can just see their shil- silhouettes. Yeah. And then as Seymour like ushers Seymour kind of like backs Mister Mushnick into the plant, and when he turns around and like sees the plant's mouth is open, he kind of like leans in, and that's when it cuts to the chorus girls, and they're they're like faces are all in shadow and they're still kind of like singing and dancing, but they kind of like lean forward too, like as Mr. Mushnik does like to kind of see what happens yeah. and then he gets eaten and then they kind of like, it cuts back outside and they're kind of like backing into the alleyway again. I just loved the way they, fra- every yeah. shot that they're in, they frame so cool and it like just adds to that kind of creepiness of the scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're that- so
1: indifferent to the violence that it's terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that like, you know, like when you know, like I said, I hadn't watched it in many years. I mean, ten plus years probably was, you know since i had, I had last watched it until this week, and um, I don't know just the way that they like you like you were kind of saying the way that they kind of set up those kind of chorus girl characters and how yeah. they implement them into different scenes, and so that by that point, like it almost seems like that would be kind of like a weird thing like it would it would kind of feel weird like as the audience right. as the audience to be watching that scene where all of a sudden you have these characters who kind of outside of the narrative kind of all of a sudden directly right there in and kind of experiencing that part of the story like but it doesn't feel weird right. or off or strange at all like it all just kind of it, the way that yeah it's, it's all it makes great. it feel it's like a turning ex-
1: point which it kind of is in the movie yeah
0: it's very it's executed very very well and yeah. it just has and that song just has a very different tone to it than a lot of the other songs um which yeah. i like but yeah it's great
1: yeah it's it, and the, it's the got song a nice, itself
0: it's got a nice bass like kind of like a funky bass line oh it's got mm-hmm. some good bass mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it's
1: great it it's uh but yeah it's it's a great song it's one of the shorter songs it's very yeah. short but it's, it's definitely on. a creepy, creepy part. It's so definitely to me, one of the parts that like makes it a horror movie, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. like it's creepy. Like the motherfucker gets fed to the plant, yeah. you know, like not, not on accident. I mean, you could, you could really have a debate about Seymour's intentions in that scene, but yeah, he gets fed to the plant whole. It's the first person that like the plant just straight up eats alive, <laughs> yeah. alive yeah. But it's also a little comedic. Like as Mr. Mushnick is going down, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, it's like there's like, there's like there's like a comedic element to it too. So it's like dark and creepy, but it's also not, you know. Yeah. I just love how when he turns around and he sees the plant's mouth open, he's just like face <laughs> to face with it, and he's like,
0: What the hell? <laughs> and then he's like,
1: Vincent Gardini is fantastic in this movie. He is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh so but, and then the other, the other the, the last really good I mean there's pl- I mean we didn't talk about suddenly Seymour which I'm not, I'm actually
0: not a big fan of suddenly Swim, Seymour
1: it's it is what it is it's everybody if anybody's gonna know a song from this that's movie, the it's song I mean Feed yeah me that's, or suddenly Seymour
0: yeah that's the that's like the song from it but yeah. like to me I don't know like and it's I just it's not, I, and I do think like you know Ellen Green is great like her vocals are oh really, yeah her, are amazing yeah. but like but yeah, I don't know, I kind of find the song a little bit annoying for whatever reason. <laughs> it's
1: it's just kind of fluffy and frou and yeah. I, I don't like Somewhere that's green either. I don't both of those songs are kinda yeah, just uh I, eh.
0: I think I almost like Somewhere that's green better than Suddenly Seymour, but I but I do like like so the that scene in the movie where they sing Suddenly Seymour, I do like the that the set that they're on.
1: Oh yeah, that's cool. Um,
0: that's really cool, and the way that they shot that and stuff was kind of cool. Um, yeah, but but the song itself um, is not my favorite.
1: Yeah, and then the other one that we've already mentioned, "Mean Green Mother" from Outer Space, yeah. which is which was written specifically for this movie. That's a pretty great um, one too. That's a great song, it, mostly because the action again. That's the full size, huge ass plant singing, yeah. dancing, moving, you know, fighting. Yeah, singing, singing. <laughs> I said singing like 16 times. And yeah, um,
0: at that point it has like, the tentacles have like smaller like buds on them that are like yeah. have mouths that sing too. and
1: Yeah, know. which is why it's a double, it's a double meaning, you know, mean green mother, like right. bad mother, right. but also right. mother, like it's got kids, Right. you know, <laughs> and we're going to have a problem here on the earth pretty soon because this, this thing is multiplying. So.
0: Audrey too has yeah. got kids? Got kids. Who's got
1: kids? (laughs) So the only other thing that I would mention before we end here is just I did for the first time, like I said, I've seen this movie 50 times. I did for the first time watch the Roger Corman original movie. Nice. And it is surprisingly similar. Yeah. I always thought, and the main thing I guess I wanted to say is I always thought that the Roger Corman movie, I mean, Roger Corman's known for like his kind of schlocky b-horror yeah, movies, movies yeah. but he's made hundreds of movies <laughs> and i always just thought that little shop from the from 1960 was like a schlocky just a bad movie like a schlocky b-horror movie yeah. that just was just bad but it's intended to be a joke like the movie is a comedy
0: yeah
1: it's goofy as hell there's a lot of comedy written into that movie and I never realized that I always thought that that it was just a bad movie right that they kind of like they had like a cult following that they kind of were like oh we should make a, a, a musical out of or whatever but it's it's a schlocky movie so that really it, it kind of started as a joke anyway yeah so and it's it's pretty similar it's nice. pretty similar story the only the main difference is Seymour doesn't really kill kill Seymour doesn't do the things he does in the original one uh to gain fame or recognition or or because the necessarily because the plant's telling him to, but more so because he's just a fucking klutz. <laughs> he literally just kills people by being a klutz. <laughs> That's funny. And then and then he's like, Well, I guess I gotta get rid of the bodies, so he just ends up feeding them to the plant because the plant's already asking him to feed it.
0: And, and do Mr. Very... Mushnick
1: kills somebody too. Mr. Mish, Mr. Mushnik really? gets held up at gunpoint at the store, and Mr. Mushnick is like, oh, the cash is in the plant. <laughs> and he convinces the robber to climb into oh the plant, and the plant just eats him. That's it's hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so What was I gonna say? Shit. I was I I had something I was gonna say and I totally forgot. Uh, a- after you drop that bomb at me that Mushna kills somebody isn't kills somebody in, the, uh, in yeah. the 60s version. That's funny. The
1: other the other thing the other thing this is just a very side note, but in the original 1960s version, it's Seymour Krell Boyne, not Krell Seymour Boyne. Seymour Krell Born, and that's important for one reason. If you've ever watched Malcolm in the Middle, Malcolm is in the gifted class. And they they call themselves the kid. The other kids call them Krelboins, and that's a reference to <laughs>
0: the original Seymour
1: Krellborn. But it's not. It's it's confusing because if you've never seen the '60s one, you're like, well, it's not Krellboyne, it's Krellborn. Right. But in the '60s one, it was Krellboyne, and that's Krelboyne. where it comes from. That's funny. So instead of calling somebody a nerd, you call them a Krellboin.
0: <laughs> I'll never do that. I'll never do and that. instead
1: of calling somebody a sadist, you call him a orange Scrivello.
0: <laughs> Scrivello. DDS. <laughs> uh, well, Sorry,
1: what? Sorry, doctor. Sorry, doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up.
1: That's got to wrap it
0: up. It's gotta. Yeah, it's just gotta. Well, thanks for listening. Catch us next time and we'll scare you later. later.